If you've been around Skybreak any length of time, there's a statement you will have heard, and it is this. I believe that life moves at the speed of relationships. And it is critical, it is mission critical for your life and mine that we get the right people around us and that we build the right kinds of friendships and relationships. And in, in my lifetime of ministry and living, God has given me some wonderful, exceptional relationships. And today I have the joy of introducing our speaker. He is a author and he is a pastor of a great church in the Northwest. And they are reaching an area of our country that needs Jesus that's not like the South where there's only a handful of people who go to church every weekend. And they've given 35 years of leading that church and he is the founder and leader of Team Church, which we are a vital part of, growing teams and growing leaders. But above all of that and beyond all the accolades I could give him, he is a lifelong friend. We've grown up together, our fathers have been friends and our families are friends, our children, our, our grandchildren are friends. We go four generations deep now. He's not, one, not only one of the greatest speakers and communicators you'll hear, but even better than being an exceptional communicator, he's even a better man. He's a good man, and he's a godly man, and he's my friend. And to tell you how that adds up, 12 years ago when we faced another really dark day when cancer had returned to Janet and we, here we went on this journey of fighting that again, the first person I called was the man you're about to hear speak. I walked in the other room and I said, I need, I need you, I need my friend. That's the relationship we have and I am honored to have Pastor Kevin Gerald. He serves as an overseer of our church, one of our leaders that oversees and coaches and counsels us, and we're accountable to that. And I'm just delighted he's taken a weekend to be with us in our legacy season and talk up to us today. Would you stand and help me welcome my friend, my brother, Pastor Kevin Gerald to the stage. Skybreak Church, my home in Texas. You may be seated. Good to see you guys. After that kind of introduction, uh, it, it was all exactly perfect in terms of accuracy and truth. And sometimes you follow that up and you go, yeah, but I want to say something about this relationship. And I just want to tell you how much I love your pastors. And I want to tell you that they are, they are some of the classiest, for real classy. Not like put on classy, like at the core, at the heart. Authentic, genuine lovers of people, lovers of God's church. Pastor 
Danny and Janet are, they mean the world to us. And they mean so much to us. And I know today that you, you know how blessed you are to have them. And then to have Pastor Nathan and Kendall who have come alongside them. The future is bright. I said the future is bright. You got a lot, come on, you got a lot to get excited about. And I wanna thank the people in the parking lot who were working in the parking lot when we pulled in this morning. I wanna thank the people who are in the classroom right now with our children. Come on, I wanna thank the worship team and the band. I wanna thank the ushers and the greeters and everybody showing hospitality today. I wanna thank every worshiper in the house whenever we walked in and we just raised our hands and we started to worship God. I wanna thank you church for being a great, great church in College Station, Texas. Wow, wow, wow. And if you are a guest today, we are so glad you're here. And I uh, hope that you understand when we start cheering one another on, like we're doing right now, that basically there's a lot of faithfulness. There's a lot that, that goes into this thing called church. There's a lot of commitment. There's, and so we're just cheering one another on. But if you're a guest today, we're so glad that you're in the house. And I hope that if this is not your church home, that you have found it today. Um, we believe that every believer, every Christian belongs planted in the house of the Lord. And I always tell our church, if this is not the one for you, keep looking. <laughs> keep going because God's got a place for you where you can get planted in the house and grow in God's plan and will for your life and your future. Amen? Amen. And how about those Aggies? I knew we were gonna have good church this morning. I knew, man, thank you, Lord, for a win. It's gonna be better in the house today. Okay, everybody say, my heart's open. My mind's ready. Make me better, God. By your word, I receive it. Come on, say, I receive it. And I believe it. And I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name. Nehemiah chapter four, Nehemiah chapter four. I'll start in verse 14 and we'll skip a little bit. It'll be on the screen, but we'll go to 17, 18. It reads like this. It says, after I looked things over, there you go. I stood up, <laughs> that was good timing. <laughs> after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is what, who is great and what, and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Those who carried materials did their work, we skipped a couple verses, but it, the story continues, they did their work with one hand while they held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side 
as he worked. You may be seated. I want to give you a little background on this text. The book of Nehemiah is the story of Nehemiah, a man who God had called to return to his homeland and to rebuild the walls and the city and the culture, really, of, of Jerusalem and to restore the dignity and to bring back the morale, bring honor back to the city, bring life back to the city. But Nehemiah wasn't even in the city. Nehemiah was 900 miles away when God started calling him to go back to his city. He was in Persia, and he was a servant. He was a cupbearer, would have been his official title, to the king in Persia. Now, now 900 miles was about three months' journey for Nehemiah. He was, in other words, not the most likely candidate. He was 900 miles away. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was not a leader in the sense of having a title. He was not a builder. As far as we know, no real background in building. He was not a soldier. He had no military or battle experience to speak of. But he was a man of faith who recognized that it was his time. Everybody say, my time. time. Say it again, my time. time. And that it was his turn. Somebody say, my turn. turn. Say it with me, my time. My My turn. Now, you can't make a difference, and and you and I both know this, you can't make a difference without getting your hands dirty, without getting involved and risking exposure of of some kind, risking loss or rejection. But I'm just trying to emphasize to you that this guy had, had no real, like, responsibility to go 900 miles to ask for a leave of absence from a job that was really comfortable in a role that was was somewhat, even though it was a servant role, he was hanging out with the king. But there was only an eternal responsibility, if you would say, like like a soulish relationship with God kind of responsibility. And that calling that Nehemiah had was a sense that God was calling him and that this was his moment, that this was his time, this was his turn. And I want to say to everybody who is here this weekend, you're here in the world right now on purpose. You're not here by accident. Now, your, your, your mom and dad might have been surprised. 
but God's never been surprised with you showing up on the planet. And we're not here today to fill up time and space. I'm talking about you and I today. We are here on purpose and for purpose. And and this is our time. I said, this is our time. By the way, that's not my title, but it just feels good right now, like to talk about it. This is my time. This is your time. This is my turn. This is your turn. And what I do want to talk about today, and the title that I want to give you, I want to talk about building the church and fighting for our families. And I want to say to you today that believers are called to be builders. I said believers are called. We are called to be builders, not spectators, not observers. Somebody shout builders. We're not called to be bystanders. Come on, what are we called to be? We're called to be what? And we're called to build our lives. First of all, on the foundation of God's word. Jesus told a great parable. He said a wise man builds his house. And he wasn't talking about physical houses. He was talking about lives. He said a wise man builds his house on a good foundation. There ain't nobody else gonna build your, your, your life for you, folks. God, 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 God gave you everything you need and he says you're the builder. You're the builder. And we're called to build not only our lives, but we're called to build God's church. In fact, the, the, the project of building the church started with Jesus. He said on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell. Anybody happy for that today? The gates of hell. How many of you are thankful for your church today? And the church. There's nothing you can do in your life that's more in sync with Jesus than to build a church. Think about that. Nothing you can do, like when you're wondering in your mind, like, well, I wonder what Jesus wants. Well, to start off with, he wants you to build his church. (laughs) The church is his plan A. There is no plan B. Things happen here in church every week that don't happen at Walmart. That don't happen at, at, at the university. That don't happen at the grocery store. Like, Stuff happens right here, don't happen anywhere else in town. Like, like right here, people make decisions. In this house, decisions get made for salvations and for baptism. Come on, for life change, for direction. In this house, something special happens every single week as we worship God. People don't gather in other places and worship God like they do in, in church. Like, people find hope in the house. People find encouragement in the house. 
People find direction for their life in the house. Pastor came up a few minutes ago and he said, put your hand on your heart and speak the name of Jesus. How many of you know that didn't happen at, at the grocery store this week? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like moments like that where the presence of God is real and rich and we find that thing that all week long we know our soul's been thirsty for in a moment in the house of God. Nowhere like church. So we're called to be builders. Believers are called to be builders, but builders will always, they will always face opposition, which is why builders must also be fighters. So whether it's building a home or a business or building God's church, there's always gonna be resistance and opposition for a builder. Somebody shout builder. builder. The builders that in the book of Nehemiah faced various kinds of opposition from their enemies. The, 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 the bullying, like if you just read through it, there were bullies and there was criticism. And it was a daily gnawing, nagging kind of thing where their, 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 their enemies would gather while they're trying to just build. They're just trying to build. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just trying to build their city. <laughs> and, and, and people are, and the, the adversaries launching intimidating statements and discouraging comments on, the, on, on a constant basis. And so that creates a constant threat of a physical attack. And that would have been enough for most people to just give up and go home, but not the builders of Judah. <laughs> not, not them. So what I want you to know, everybody say fight. fight. Say, somebody say with me, build, build. And, fight. and fight. The builders of, of Judah had success that came from doing two things simultaneously. They did their work with one hand and they carried a, look at that baby. That's a real deal. They carried their weapon or their sword in the other. Each builder, that scripture I read to you says, wore his weapon at his side as he worked. You get in the picture. Somebody say build. Somebody say fight. Say with me, build and fight. Build and fight. Come on, build and fight. One more time, build and fight. Now, I know for some of y'all that you're right at home with this, like this is, this is comfortable, but some of y'all not comfortable with that. You're not comfortable with a sword. <laughs> well, oh my God, and, and not comfortable with a, what's that preacher doing? He's got, he's got stuff on stage I don't usually see on, 
the platform of my church. Oh my God. Can I just tell you that Jesus is a builder? And the Bible says in Exodus 15, three, that God is a warrior. Psalm 127 says something like this. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are our sons born in one's youth. They will contend or they will fight. Talking about the people of God. They will fight the enemies in the gate. And Jesus, Jesus said, for all y'all who are like a little bit nervous, if there's anybody like that here today, can I just tell you, Jesus said, on one occasion when he was a little bit fired up and he wanted everybody to come to a moment of truth, he said, don't suppose I came to bring peace, yep. but a sword. <laughs> Wait a minute, I thought Jesus was a child holding chiffon wearing. <laughs> no hair messed up, nice sweet Jesus. Well, he is. He's a lamb, and he's a lion. <laughs> Come on. He's all about bringing peace, but sometimes he brings a sword. And what he really was referring to, guys, was he was referring to the inevitable conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. He was referring to the reality that in this world, you know, the crazy things have happened the last few months. Does anybody agree with me on that? How about the last couple years? Been an odd, I just want to keep this close. Been an odd time, hasn't it? I, I want to suggest to you that the last few years it's really not just been about politics or blue versus red. It's really not been about, about race. It's really not been about some of the things that a lot of people assume that the conflict has been about. I wanna, I wanna just suggest to you today that it's really not about any of those things. It's about kingdoms in conflict. It's about the kingdoms of light versus the kingdom of darkness. It's about the kingdoms of heaven versus the kingdoms of the world. And you and I are called. I said we're called. Yes, we're not the first generation or the only generation to deal with this. Don't, don't start feeling sorry for yourself. Right. We're called to build. We're called to build. And we're called to fight. Want to say it with me? Build and say it again. So I want to give you some practical ways how we build and fight. Number one, we build and fight by standing our ground. Yes. 
by standing our ground. The, 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 the two main strategies against Nehemiah and the builders was distraction and deception. And Nehemiah makes this comment in Scripture. Whenever they were coming against him with words and intimidation, they said, come down and let's talk. And Nehemiah said, I'm carrying on a great project. <laughs> I'm a builder. I can't come down. I'm a builder. And then they came and they came back and they threatened him and said, you know, you're, you're, you're messing with us. You're pushing the... And he said, should a man like me run away? I'm not running away. And the temple in their, in their days was a safe place. In other words, you couldn't shed blood. So you could go to the temple and be safe. And Nehemiah says, I'm not even going to go to the temple to save my life. I will not go because I know who I am. And I know why I'm here. It's almost like Nehemiah was singing the old Tom Petty song. No, I won't back down. Anybody know that? Some of you, you're younger, you're like, uh, no, I don't know. Well, he says, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up to the gates of hell. But I won't. But I won't. Come on, I won't. What? I won't. Why? Because I know who I am. I, I know that I am here on purpose and for purpose and in God's purpose. I am here to build and I am here to fight. Amen? And, and let me just say to you today, you got to know, you got to know whose side you're on. And, and I, know, I know a lot of people, well, I just don't want to pick a side. I don't want to. Well, you can't win a battle that you don't, that you, you pretend doesn't exist. And the last, the last few years, I, I mean, it, I, I'll help you today if you don't know. Let me just tell you, we're not on the side of those who are against, the tra against their traditional nuclear family. We're, we're not on that side. Yes, sir. Right. As a Christian, we're not on the side of those who undermine parental rights, right. who sexualize our, our children. Yes. We're not on that side. Yes, sir. We're not on that side. <laughs> we're, we're not on the side of those who are preying on innocent children and lying to them about their sexuality. The idea that, that they can have a, a boy's anatomy and be a girl, we're not on that side. He created them male and female. Am I in, I, am I in the right place today? We're not on the side of cancel culture. We're not on that side. So what do I do, Pastor Kevin? You stand your ground. I said we stand our ground. I said we stand our ground. The second way that we build and we fight is by the power of agreement. By the power 
of agreement. Nehemiah, Nehemiah says, so we rebuilt the wall. There's this scripture, it's like, I, I love this part of it. I think it's Nehemiah chapter four. We rebuilt the wall because the people had a mind to work. You know, a while ago when I was thanking the people in the parking lot, and I'm thankful the people in the classroom, I'm thankful, you know, I don't do church. Pastor Danny doesn't just do church. Like, Pastor Nathan doesn't just do church. We, we do church. We are God's people. Come on, I said we are God's people. And I wanna remind you, you matter. I wanna remind you where you belong and who you belong to today. The place of agreement is the place of power. That doesn't mean we agree on every little thing, but at the end of the day, we know who we are and we know we belong to God and the place of agreement. That's how we build and that's how we fight. If we've ever needed to be in agreement, it is now. If we've ever needed to decide and know whose side that we are on, it is now. And by the way, the prophet in the Old Testament one day, there was, there was, a, there was kind of confusion among God's people and, and he just said to everybody, and, and God was leading him to do this and he said, you're gonna have to stand up and choose whose side you're on. Who's on the Lord's side? Like he just kind of called him out. Who's on the Lord's side? What I'm telling you is not something that is divisive. It's meant to create unity and to bring God's people together, amen? And think about it this way, in Nehemiah, think about it when he says the people had a mind to work, think about it like this, they were showing up, like they were leaving their homes in the morning before daybreak, and they were showing up with a hammer, or swinging an ax, Going, cutting down some trees, dragging them back, putting them in place, and others were bringing the water, and others were bringing, uh, uh, they're stirring it up in the mortar and getting it all ready, and some were breaking out the stones, and they were present, and they were participating, and they were building. Next week, we have an opportunity to stand together in agreement for the future of our church. To participate by bringing our personal best offering. And for a young teenager, 20, Dollars might be a lot. For a college student, $150 might be like, <gasps> for somebody else, $500, a single mom who, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to tell you it's not about the amount. It's about the power of agreement. 
I've pastored the same church for 36 years in the Seattle land area. And we started our offering 36 years ago. And the first offering was $7,500. And I thought heaven has opened up. And you know what I did with it was I took, as the, as the offering came in that day, just as a little small group of people, we had a bunch of bills because I'd taken over a church that had a lot of debt. Not just the mortgage, but all the other bills. And that little church, people had left it and I, I took and I, 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 I on stage, I, I, lit, I lit the bills as the money came in on the screen. I lit the bills and I burned them. <laughs> Put them in a big container. And that was my first memory of an annual offering in our church. A little unfinished building in a part of the country where I, I'm a Midwest boy or a Southern boy. I, I still argue with God sometimes. I come, I can't be in Texas. I love Texas. Come Danny and Nathan get to be in Texas and I don't get to be in Texas. Come I'm out here and nobody here loves God. Can you hear my wine session going on? I'm like, I'm the only one. Like, I was up in the Northwest. People really, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we're making a difference in 36 years and other churches, we're not the only one, but the kingdom's growing. I said the kingdom's growing like, like it's... We're, we're there, we're there. But you know, I've had those talks with God, like, and okay, if I can't be in Texas, why, and I'm gonna be somewhere where it's not like, you know, everybody goes to church, and you know, in Texas, everybody's born saved, but if I can't be somewhere like that, how about Hawaii? How about like, where the sun shines? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in Seattle, nobody loves God, and the sun don't shine, like it just, can you feel me today? <laughs> but I'm kind of like Nehemiah, actually, 900 miles away. I was 2,600 miles away when God called me to the Northwest. And I didn't know anybody. I have no friends. Here we are, 36 years later, from the time I lit those bills. Last year, our offering, our total offering was over $2 million. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for being happy for us. We had our offering two weeks ago today for this year, and I think it probably will get there again. We're, we're somewhere around 1.6, I think, right now in the giving of our annual offering. And, you know, I, I, I brought, I, want, I think I brought a little picture of a little boy. I think I have a little picture of a little boy. Yeah, this was, a, this was a, new to our church, I think, last year. And this is a family whose son was so excited about legacy offering because everybody gives at our church. Our children bring something. And this family been saving every month 
this year. I said a little boy, but they had a little boy who kind of helped make it happen. But they've been saving. That's how they saved enough. And then they pulled it out of the envelopes and they brought it. It's the power of agreement. And yeah, we had, last year we had somebody who gave a piece of land that we sold for $200,000. This year we've had a $200,000 offering. But we also have a ton of $100. The point is not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. Please don't, please don't be absent next week. Please don't stay away because it's offering Sunday. Like come and just bring what you can bring because there's something that God blesses in the spirit and the power of agreement. Now, I, I, I told you how our church has prospered, but I also wanna tell you this little testimony. There's people who are now giving 20 times the amount they gave when they first gave to our legacy offering. Like they're now, in other words, they've been enriched and they've been blessed and God has prospered them and they're now giving 20 times or, or more potential than those previous years. What do we do to build and fight? We stand our ground. I said, we stand our ground. And then we stay in agreement or we come into agreement. See, the giving habits of a church are directly related to the strength of the church. When people have a mind to give, we become a force for good. We didn't get this building without givers. You're not in that seat without givers. We don't have classrooms for children without givers. And guess what? This is our time. And this is our turn. And this is literally how we change the outcome. This is literally how we change the future. And, and let me just hang out here a moment or two longer. People who have less are not expected to give like those who have more. And those who have more should not be giving like those who have less. God, hear me out when I tell you this, God will never ask you to give what you don't have, but he may ask you to give what you would rather keep. Mm. So how we respond to God in our giving is related to God's blessing on our church and in our life because the place of agreement is the place of power. And thirdly, the last one, we stand our ground, we come into agreement, and we build and fight by having a generational mindset. And I wanna just grab that one line out of the verse I started with in my text today, where Nehemiah said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember whose side you're on. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and he's amazing and, 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 and fight for your families. 
and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. I want to show you a New York Post headline today. I didn't get this out of a Christianity Today magazine or something like that. The headline says, how public schools brainwash kids with harmful transgender ideology. New York Post. Anyone in denial, it's time to recognize the times. This article describes advocates who are preying on innocent children, grooming them, brainwashing them, showing pictures to them, telling them to keep a conversation secret from their mom and their dad. I'm sure it's happening here with some of you, things like this. I know it's definitely happening with a lot of our families, parents in our own church, sharing incidents, sending in emails, telling us how they happen to pull their children out of school, incidents that are happening with our children of our church. In other words, we're in a fight. We're, we're in a fight for our children and we're in a fight for our families. Our kids and our, our youth are, are facing evil and darkness. The enemy is after our children. Youth depression is up. Children have been abandoned and are looking for love in all their own places. The woke ideology, which is divisive and destructive, is common in our institutions. In addition to what's been around a little longer, the drugs and the alcohol use, and, but in addition to all of that, there's this identity and gender confusion. Drag queens are being brought into our schools. I'm not making this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. And, and what are you saying, Pastor Kevin? I'm saying our kids need the church. I'm, I'm kind of in the twilight. I know I'm look, I look healthy. I am. I'm going to be around for a while just to make the devil mad a little longer. But I, I, I want you to understand that we're not just building church for ourselves. We're building it for our children. And they need to grow up knowing who God is and what he thinks and what he says. And they need us to teach them that they are citizens of God's kingdom. And they need to know that there's no such thing as your truth or my truth, but only the truth. And I thank God for, by the way, every teacher in school, every, yeah. I don't want to roll by that without, you know, by insinuating that every school's bad or every teacher's bad. Please don't think, I think that. Right. I thank God for anyone who's in these spaces. Yeah. 
who is, is diligent about what you do and you love children and you're standing in that place and in that space of education or school, can I just tell you that that, that, is, that, that is what we need? But that all flows out of a unified church that's in agreement. To say that with God's help, we're gonna rise up and we're, we're gonna help our children to know they're not a mistake. Their gender is not a mistake. Their skin color and ethnicity is not a mistake. Come on, they need us to teach them that we are all created in the image of Almighty God. They're not going to hear that other places. They're only going to hear it here in the house of God. They need to see us standing together, black and brown and white, people of all race and ethnicity, proclaiming that we are one, that we are united by the blood of Jesus, who makes us one people, who makes us one family. Like the writer in scripture says that you are neither Jew nor Greek nor, I'm telling you that still stands today. There is not one ethnicity that is greater than another. In fact, you know, studies show that we are 99, over 99% identical. <laughs> Think about that. The enemy's trying to get into the less than 1% of our differences and divide people in our community, in our city, in our schools. And you and I gotta stand our ground today. And we gotta come into agreement and stay in agreement and build the church. What are we gonna do? We're gonna, come on, what are we gonna do? We're gonna build and we're going to fight. Say it with me, we're gonna build and we're going to fight. What are we? We are builders and fighters. Builders and fighters. Builders and fighters. Pastor Kevin, Pastor Kevin, the world is like sick, it's crazy. Well, I shared enough today, it's kind of, I know. It's dark, it can be heavy, it can be, I didn't say all that to make you feel bad. I've said all of that to just Check in with reality here and remind you today this is our time and this is our turn. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. We are here. What are we gonna do? We're gonna keep on building and we're gonna keep on fighting. I said we're gonna keep on building and we're gonna keep on fighting, amen? Let's give the Lord a great big hand, can we today? thankful for the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need a new beginning in my life and my relationship with God.
whoever you are and wherever you came from. I wanna say I don't believe that you're here on accident, you're here on purpose. God planned for you to be here on this day. And some of you, this moment is your moment. Like this moment of opportunity, of new beginnings is your moment for a fresh start in your life, your relationship with God. And here's what I wanna invite you to do. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you from wherever you are in the room, just to raise a hand up in the air with courage. I'm gonna count down from three and when I hit one, I just want you to boldly, whoever you are, sir, ma'am, young person, boldly put your hand up in the air and choose him today. Are you ready? Three, two, one, hands up around the room. Wow, good, God bless you. Go ahead, hands up. I choose Jesus today. I choose life today. I choose grace today. I choose forgiveness. Pastor Kevin, I choose hope today. Good, 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 good. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to invite everyone who would to join us in this prayer. And if you've got your hand up in the air, you put it up in the air, I'm going to ask you to just simply say this with me. Say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, welcome to my world. Come into my heart and into my life and forgive me of all my sin and make me a new person. I receive you today, my leader and my Lord, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a great big, welcome to the family of God. I welcome you today. Well, well, God bless you, Skybreak. Hey, can we thank Pastor Kevin Gerald for that amazing, timely message this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Kevin. You may be seated for just a moment more. Hey, if you just made that decision and you invited Jesus into your life, we want to celebrate you. Church, can we welcome all those to the family of God, those who made that decision, the best decision that you could have made. And we have some next steps for you. We would encourage you to stop by the info hub immediately upon dismissal. We have a, a, a next step booklet to put in your hand, something to help you with what comes next. We also want to give you a Bible because how many know that's the tool that we all need? That's the manual right. for life. So be sure to stop by and grab a Bible. Pastor Kevin mentioned it. What's next week? Legacy. Legacy. All right, what's your question? Yeah, some of y'all follow. Next week is Legacy Offering. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Take a look at this. 2022 has been an extraordinary year. We've been able to achieve so many incredible things through our three legacy lanes, Skybreak Projects, NextGen, and Missions. Last year, our legacy offering helped us accelerate these lanes. They bring clarity, intentionality, and focus. All three lanes are unique in their mission, but are all focused on one thing, to leave a legacy. This year alone, we've had over 220 guests come through our doors. 71 people discover their purpose through Growth Track, 450 people serving on the Dream Team, 119 people get baptized, and 905 people receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. 
As we look back on what God has done this year, we are so grateful for the generosity of our church and the impact we've had together. We are also very excited for the vision that God has given us to move forward with some projects and initiatives to reach more people. These projects are things that we will accomplish, and the cool part is you get to determine the speed of them. We all know, and it's always been said, that buildings and parking lots don't change lives, but what goes on inside does. In 1995, we built what we know now as the Annex. Over a decade or more, we've expanded and remodeled for growth, and in 2014, we stepped out in faith and built our beautiful arena that we now worship in today. When designing the arena, we matched our current 90s design of our annex to save costs. And in an effort to update our house of worship to be more inviting and modern, we will be refacing and redesigning the front of our buildings. And I'm so excited to show you today some renderings of the new and upgraded look of our church. In 2018, we began the renovation of our Annex facility to better the spaces for our kids and our youth ministries. And nearly four years ago, we relocated our staff offices to create more rooms for our kids and our youth. I'm actually standing right now in our current staff offices for our entire staff, a very tiny space, a very crammed space. And I'm excited to announce to you today that we are currently working on finishing our brand new office space right upstairs in our Annex facility. We are creating an innovative space for all of our staff, for ministry experiences, for our weekend experiences, for all of our kids and our youth ministries, and all the other planning that we do every single week and every single day as we help people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Thank you for your generosity in this Skybreak Project Lane. Our previous offices are currently being renovated for our brand new space for our youth juniors to make more room for the next generation. One of the most significant investments we can make is to train and equip young leaders to change the world for Christ. Our next-gen lane helps us create environments and opportunities for our kids, students, and young leaders to stand taller, see farther, and accomplish more than ever before. Every Sunday, we see an average of 50 youth juniors, and they're in need of a space of their own that can accommodate them. This room that I'm standing in right now is what that is. We need to complete and furnish this space to host these students every Sunday. In Skybreak Kids, we've had 888 individual children come and learn about God in a fun and relevant way. Skybreak Youth has had 322 different students come to a safe environment to connect, build relationships, hear the Word of God, get into a small group, and ultimately be a light in their schools and families. We've had 241 students accept Jesus into their lives this year. So many teens in our city weren't able to have a home-cooked Thanksgiving dinner with their family this year. But thanks to your generosity, we provided a full Thanksgiving dinner to over 85 teenagers at Skybreak Youth. Thank you for investing into the next generation. In 2022 alone, we've given over $65,000 to external missions. And for a full list of the missions that we support as a church, you can visit our website and go to the giving page. I wanna highlight Hunger Relief International. Through HRI, we feed, clothe, and care for the children in our Haiti orphanage. On average, we have about 20 boys that we provide for each and every day. And just this year, Skybreak has given over 23,000 meals to these boys. We also just sent them a check to provide a special Christmas dinner and gifts for all the boys. And it's important to us that we spread the love of Jesus through each mission that we support. 
God has given us more vision and more opportunities, and this vision only moves forward at the speed of our generosity. Through Skybreak Projects, Next Gen, and Missions, we're building a legacy that honors the past and furthers the future. Next Sunday is our legacy offering, and we're celebrating in one big giving party at 9.15, where we will have the privilege to give sacrificially back to God. As we pray, prepare, and participate, let's be expectant to see God show up in an extraordinary way. I hope to see you next weekend.